Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. G'day, and welcome to another Quick Sand Food podcast. My name's Stefan Postuma. My guests today are Simon Evans and Tom Kiamento from Cavo Restaurant in Wollongong. Caveau has been setting the standard for fine dining in Wollongong for over a decade now, receiving many chef's huts along the way. Simon and Tom were both employees of the business and took it over in the beginning of 2017. They focus highly on the use of local produce on their menu and not just using that as a buzzword, but sourcing ingredients from local businesses, people that they have close relationships with, and finding the best that the Illawarra landscape has to offer. They have done some great new things with their menu that reflect their background as chefs and what they're into. And I really enjoyed having a chat with them. They give us a bit of an insight into what it's like taking over a business and bringing your own personality into it. Talk a bit about their menu and a bit about what local produce means to them. So I hope that you enjoy this chat with Simon Evans and Tom Kiamento from Cavo Restaurant in Wollongong. When did you guys take over the restaurant? At the start of this year. At the start of 2017. Uh, the 9th, yeah. 9th of January, and then we opened on the 11th. Was, was, once that opportunity was presented to you, was it a no-brainer? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a no-brainer. It was, it was more of a, is this feasible? It was more kind of figuring out, like... It was always like, okay, do we want to do, do this? Do we have the money to do this? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, Who's really going to give us the money to do this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, how many people do we have to go to to ask for money to do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, okay, uh, came down to that as much as yeah. anything. It was, um, yeah, it was obviously, it was, yes, let's do it. There was any hesitation of maybe we shouldn't do this. We were, we were sort of in the position to, that we were looking to do something um, in Wollongong, a restaurant, or even, you know, a bar doing food or whatever. We could kind of get our foot in the door really with something. And then this kind of just happened. Uh, right at the perfect time for us. Yeah, great. Was is there an is there any like is it a difficult sort of transition? How do you go from making the public aware that that you guys are now the new faces of what is an institution in Wollongong? What's been twelve years, chefs hats or something? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Was it two thousand four? It's like a lot of different things that we've done. Um, obviously, um, you know, taking a marketing company on board at us hasn't been really good to in helping us kind of get our name out there a bit more. Yeah, it's using all the, all the media we have, and there's quite a good following of Caveau as well. We've got a lot of regulars, so mm-hmm. like having the sort of time before and the last year when we were seeing the kitchen and um, sort of meeting people when it kind of became public that we were taking over, just by getting out and talking to the sort of regulars and them yeah. knowing, that kind of helps spread the word as it were. We make, we make an effort to get out and talk to every table at some point in the night. And that's cool. That's like, you know kind of makes that connection at the end of the day people these days people really want a connection to their food and via the chef yeah I think the, the, the connection to the food as a diner is pretty hard to get the connection to the chef I have the connection to the food because I deal with it every day so realistically people have the connection to me and they feel connected to the food mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of one of the things in connecting with customers then is mm. you kind of get to meet everyone mm. and you know people these days quite like learning more about where their food comes from and gives us an opportunity to kind of express who we are yeah, and yeah. what we what we're going for and it was, there's was definitely a balance of 
wanting people to know that it's changed hands, but also not making too much of a big deal about it. Mm -hmm. um, and our focus was to make sure that people understood it was it was different owners, but we were you know we were in the kitchen anyway, so it wasn't like it's a massive. The restaurant's not changing. It's, you know, it's not suddenly not going to be Cavo. You know, we're not changing the name or anything. It was, mm -hmm. it was more of a, like, we're just going to run this extra part of it. You know, we've been doing the kitchen. We've still got the same team, still got the same front of house. Um, so, it was, you know, it's a very smooth transition like that. So it wasn't m a massive for us to make, to be kind of shouting around that, you know, we've taken yeah. over because it, it was a very you know, seamless kind of thing. Cool. We just uh, start doing a lot more work than we did last year. <laughs> if, you, if you then, so if you take over a business like Cavo and then, you've got a, a, a thing in your mind of perhaps bringing your own personalities and experience to the menu and changing things. How do you sort of, how do you strike the balance of delivering what customers have come to expect from a restaurant like this and what maybe regulars are used to and mm. you know who's writing the menus and preparing the food? Well, I think that's a funny one in that we always kind of, when we first took over, we were like, right, we wanted to have a plan for how how we would transition into Caveau being what it used to be and Caveau being our our representation of Caveau. And we kind of like, oh, you know, that'll be like a 12-month thing. And it kind of probably has transitioned to our style of Caveau quicker than we'd expected. Yeah. But I think that is to be expected when you, it's hard to kind of do something that's not you. It's kind of very natural for people to do something that is a representation of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's that same thing. It was a toss-up of how much do we change straight away. We, we could sort. We got it's almost an end game of how we want them structure the menu to be you know, in six months, maybe a year. Um, so it, it was kind of a stepping stone to get there. So little, little things we changed, um, but it was never going to be a, a big thing at the same time because that would just people come in be a completely different place. Um, but kind of the essence of the restaurant is the same. It's still. Yeah let's use good local produce which is sort of always done we've kind of very much focused on that more now um, and brought in so many more new suppliers around here and it was always looking for people but it was always the basis, the basis of if the food's good your product's good and then you, you cook it with some good sort of traditional technique like we've always done here you end up with something good on the plate mm -hmm. so some of the changes are, are kind of superficial it's, it, our plating is slightly different to the way we plated last year the way we kind of construct dishes is slightly different but in essence it's the same mm -hmm. it's good ingredients good the well, standard has always been on the same a, on a a round plate yeah. most of the time. <laughs> all, yeah, we don't have any square plates. No, just no. Bolt, round bolt. It's all round now. Good. Yeah, square round plates are better for photography, so yeah. it works for us. Rectangular ones are the worst when someone's got to like move your cutlery yeah. to get that massive rectangular plate down. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. Get it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. How then have you have you had people, for example, someone who might have been eating at Cavo for twelve years on special occasions? Have you had feedback from that sort of customer? since you've taken over oh, and yeah loads like we, yeah. We, have, we have people come in almost yeah. every week some, some people you know, yeah. every fortnight so we have some okay. real kind of loyal regulars and that was a bit of a worry at the start because they're your kind of you know, your bread and butter you've got to keep them happy of course and yeah. the test of it. they've all been really really positive about everything we've done um, yeah we haven't really had a couple of people who haven't liked a couple of things we've done but that's to be expected but yeah it's always not everyone yeah. you know, it's especially ch change you know, change don't really like change we like things to be the same yeah yeah, that's cool. fine but yeah but all the regulars have, have been really happy even like this one guy who comes in like almost every week every, every wow. fortnight <laughs> um, he kind of comes in has a couple of courses glass of wine goes in, and he was just like yeah really good guys yeah go for it just change what you want and yeah. like, oh got, got his blessing we're fine we can go yeah, yeah. you've got to go ahead to yeah. change the menu it kind of was yeah it really was yeah, exactly <laughs> it was like a, now I mean, it's like yeah. do whatever you want yeah but you do kind of feel like that with your regulars that you, you do need to keep them happy yeah. in some sense but luckily it's kind of worked out where we've done some things they've liked it so it's all worked out well as you as you touched on though um it is so important and you see it in the world's best restaurants in australia's best restaurants even in cafes and cities and stuff it's so important for the owners and the chefs of a place to be able to sort of stand behind the product not trying to do something that they're unfamiliar with and don't necessarily believe in mm -hmm. if you just try it like I feel like you can tell when you walk into a restaurant and the menu and the fit out or whatever it, whatever it is is trying to do something that they think people will like and buy rather than doing something that they like. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's what I, I find just across all the quality dining venues. Yeah. It needs oh, to be an expression of the people. It's definitely one thing about myself and Simon is we <laughs> we probably find that more difficult to do things that people like you know 
that we think people would like as opposed to what we like yeah we kind of whenever we write a menu we're just like let's what do you want to cook oh i want to cook this oh yeah. Yeah, i want to do this yeah sweet it's never really kind of yeah i think i, it, I find that really difficult I, mm. I think it for me personally i know i would just get i get the shits at that like i don't want to at least the advantage of having the owners as chefs or at least the owners at, at, at the venue because you're not going to you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't do this for money mm. or for you know the, the great times you get off or like yeah exactly all the free time <laughs> the holidays from, yeah yeah <laughs> you do it because you, you like cooking and, and then you know if you like cooking and people like what you've cooked that's kind of the, the, the best thing about it so you don't really um, I, don't, I don't know how you would cook for a target audience or you'd be like oh I'm going to try and get these people in or I'm going to try and cook yeah. this if you, if you don't like that food if or you not don't in- sort of believe in it I just don't think it would work and I think you can you can see that except you can see that in restaurants you can see that on the plate even where yeah. people are trying to so it's when you get those menus it's got like a curry like an Asian dish um, like some tacos or something and you're like, it's just a bit of everything because they're trying to please everyone yeah. and you're like well if we'd have one dish that everybody, you know, everyone likes and everyone will come to the yeah. restaurant it's like, yeah but yeah but then you, really. you're not doing one thing well yeah but I think yeah. like restaurants like I have more respect for restaurants you're literally like they're just going to do one thing yeah like, we're just going to specialise in this like that cafe in London just a cereal and you know, you you're go, like, yeah, basically cereal with like some nice milk, and it's done really well. And you like, they literally just do cereal. Yeah, and I'm like, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. One, do one thing. Simple thing. Even even like bagels or mm. whatever. Like next door, what we were talking about. It's yeah. Simple, you know, short, sharp, simple, and well executed is yeah. so important. I you you do get a bit a bit worried if you go into a place that has a, a menu that's pages long. Yeah, you're like, where where is all this yeah, stock like, sitting yeah and how many chefs you, they got yeah exactly like, like how they're doing 20 dishes yeah mm. it's interesting um you mentioned simon since you guys have taken over you've developed more relationships with local farmers and brought local produce onto your menu mm. more than it was before and it's something that you're really trying to champion in what sort of ways have you sort of developed that as as you since you guys have taken over we just we've just gone up looking really like as this area especially kind of people don't tend to advertise themselves or, or really push themselves out there a lot of time because they've got such small production so you know they, they don't need that many customers they want to sell what they've got so basically it's just been looking and, and trying to find and word of mouth and speak to one person speak to the next person and so we just sort of made a, a really effort of you know what can we get in that's local so like all our milk or our eggs and that mm-hmm. like within the area like rather than getting them from you know, just from our normal sort of veg supply, we get stuff from everywhere. We like let's go and find out where we can get this or you know, where we can get that. And just sort of Tom's kind of always been um, pushing that with the area. And and again, like just uh, you kind of got to make that effort. Really, you got to mm. make, make a decision. You're like, right, if we can use local and it's, it's the right quality, let's use it. Yeah, it's just a bit of a shit fight trying to order from twenty well, different yeah. suppliers rather yeah. than two. Yeah, and, you know, you walk into a normal like a general kitchen. And they have one veg supplier that brings all their vegetables. Mm. We have like ten. Yeah. Mm. To orchestrate that week to week is probably the biggest headache. But the quality that we have and the reasons that we do it, we feel is worthwhile. And so, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're like, okay, so I don't have any, uh, and you're like, right, what are we gonna yeah. do? And and that that becomes you know difficult, but at the same time. Yeah, you know, you're a chef for a reason. Yeah. You should be able to solve those problems. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the good thing is, is if, you, if like suddenly you're in the shit, and we run out of eggs. You can ring up the person who picks the eggs mm. up, like personally, and be like, "Oh, can you could help us out and drop some eggs off." So like, it's 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 good in that way that you are dealing with a person who you know it's, it's their kind of business to make sure you have your eggs or your milk or your cream yeah. or whatever. So like, you can kind of. Uh, get away with a little bit more than your normal sort of veg supplier who probably uh, wouldn't pick up the phone yeah and it, it allows you access to interesting things as well not just what's in season and what's at its prime but you know you might you'd probably find a producer who's got some herb that's just overgrown down the back of the yard somewhere that they never use yeah. and and you're like what's this down here and like, don't worry about that we don't we don't even pick it we don't even bother and yeah. it's gold to you guys yeah. so yeah that sort yeah, of thing definitely. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things of like once you once you're getting something from someone and you're building that relationship with them and you're constantly talking to them, it's like, so what else do you want to do in the future? And you start to kind of motivate them in a way, right? Uh, not only like, okay, we're doing, you know, for instance, we're only doing chicken eggs. Well, have you thought about doing something else? You know, why not do duck eggs? Oh, yeah. didn't think about that. And then all of a sudden, you start opening up avenues for them to expand their business mm-hmm. as well. 
I think that's where we kind of we try to like not just get things from people but also motivate them to do more yes it's for us but it's also for them for, mm. for their benefit in a way um, and, and also we don't have the unlimited supply of you know different ranges of products that's very kind of limited range yeah and so for us it's like okay we can get this much of things but we should be trying to get more people involved and figure out more ways to get a broad, broader broader range of produce yeah that we can use um, as opposed to just being that, that's finite amount mm. yeah you gotta get the ball, ball rolling with these things especially yeah like, exactly because they can't produce it unless we all buy off them yeah. yeah so until more restaurants really kind of reach out and try and use local produce they, they, they never get bigger you know like and for you know, people to expand their business, people have to buy their product. So it's mm. like for us, kind of the local thing is is the quality of the food, but also it's got an economic standpoint as well. If you put more money back into your own community, that's coming back around to you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's gonna, it's a multifaceted thing using local produce. It's you know it's helping build businesses. It's it's the freshness and the quality of it. It's you know it's that link as well where people go, oh, I know that farm or I know that place. That's where these are from, and they can have that link to it. But it's kind of all these different levels to it, and it's generally only positive things either of course can't really think of a negative thing of using local produce yeah um, sometimes consistency is hard yeah it costs but more yeah. it's yeah I mean sometimes not, really. not all, all, all the time sometimes it does but like I think you know at the end of the day if it costs more you get what you pay for I mean. you get oh, what yeah. you pay for but also like you're supporting somebody that's in the same position you are mm. like don't you want like as business owners we want people to support us so in turn, we have to support people, mm. and you know, local businesses is the the first place that we can you know directly support somebody. Um, no matter how you know how big or how small they are, we have a great opportunity to support so many different people in so many different ways. Mm. And like you said, Simon, it's just it's so important to just look around and start a dialogue with people mm. because you never know what can eventuate from that there's so much opportunity for mutual education between chefs and producers and a lot of the time there's just not a dialogue yeah. and as soon as guys like you open one a chef might i mean a producer might only ever sell their produce at a farmer's market and maybe have a couple of wholesale clients mm. and then as soon as he starts talking to guys like you it opens the doors to potentially supplying other restaurants they can you know factor that into their business model of supplying mm. restaurants and supplying volume and not having to do as many farmers markets as they possibly can yeah. and getting some publicity out there as you might list the name of that farm on your menu yeah, and exactly, people start yeah. asking questions about that you know then you guys start talking to them about what else you might want them to grow yeah, next yeah. season and yeah, I mean, they say what's available what they've grown in the past and yeah, that's yeah. kind of one of the it's one of the best things and one of the hardest things is, is talking to our, to Harry down at Dapto Community Farm, um, who grows a lot of a lot of our veg. Um, is you realise how far ahead you've got to be? Mm. Like some things we're like, oh, can we start growing these Harry? And he'd be like, yeah, it'll take ten weeks. And we're like, oh, right, <laughs> ten weeks, you reckon? Oh, all right, Harry, fine. Yeah. So you're which, you, which is fine because you can be 10 weeks ahead but well, the headache comes when it, when it gets to that 10 weeks mark and, you, and you're like alright so we're going to put it on the menu next week and he goes they're not ready yeah not, not through yet yeah. and you're like okay so we're going to push back that menu a week right yeah and mm-hmm. you know that's a that's a headache and, a, and kind of but also it's a headache but it's also like well that's reality of what it should yeah. be like you shouldn't have these these endless opportunities to be able to order whatever you want whenever you want it. Yeah. It should be more like, you know, seasonal and you should be able to get what, you know, a finite amount, not, you know, everything. You know, you can ring a veg guy and go, I want asparagus. Well, asparagus isn't in season. I can still get it though. Yeah. yeah. I don't that's want I don't want that opportunity. Yeah, I don't want that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be as, as good. As so, it yeah, it's a headache, but it's also yeah. what we think but reality should be like. Yeah. We're trying to kind of let the the produce dictate our menu rather than the menu so rather rather than going like let's come up with a dish it's like right what's going to be in season which is hard in Australia because it's like two seasons it's like yeah. hot or cold yeah <laughs> cold's really short um, and it's just too hot for everything as well and it's too hot yeah. it's awful I don't know why I moved here <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> um, but yeah yeah so trying to let trying to let the you know the seasons and the weather and everything like that dictate your menu is, is, a, is a pain in the ass but it means we get a better product well yeah the weather's the other thing is like you know, for instance, uh, this year was on February, like yeah. the wettest February ever in Australia or yeah. something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Everything. And like the, our um, 
the Dapto community farms on Mullet Creek, which is a flood zone. Yeah. Um, that's why no um, residential buildings can actually be built yeah, there. Yeah, didn't know that. And uh, yeah, so the whole farm, like two meters underwater. Flooded the whole thing. Mm. Everything gone. Like what, Like for us, what do we do? Yeah. yeah, you know, we get these vegetables coming in that are just waterlogged. Yeah, yeah, everything's just like, oh, that's yep, but that's that's what it is. You could yeah. make it. You could make a dish called the Dapto Flood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> raise some raise some money for it. When, when your fish goes <laughs> in the flood, the fish you get your fish and all that. You get your spear gun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, so many funny things just went through my. <laughs> Call a lettuce. Call a lettuce. It's still going. It's still going. Yeah, that would work. So. The question I have that I've thought that I thought about was local produce is fantastic, but there are a lot of growers throughout Australia that are known for just the top quality products, like mm-hmm. people who win things Black like Moore, the Delicious Award, Black like Black like Blackmore's Beef or yeah. you know some cheeses. We're lucky enough to have some local cheesemakers that yeah. do some fantastic stuff, but you know cheeses and certain proteins and oysters and things like marin you'll get from WA or yeah. pearl meat from Broom or whatever it might be the t- it seems to me that the two three hat restaurants places in Sydney and Melbourne and stuff make use of these A plus sort of like producers and stuff so how do you sort of toe that line of the trade off between using local and using the top quality stuff I think it's like kind of two things one you have an ever-evolving menu, so we have a menu that changes every eight weeks. Yeah, roughly, <laughs> roughly, depending on flooded conditions. Yeah. Um, I think because of that, we have the opportunity to okay, we'll put you know Robertson beef on uh, for the next four weeks or eight weeks, sorry, uh, and then on the next menu, you know what, we got some, we can get some Blackmore's ragu. Let's put some on. Yeah, but we can always go back to that. Yeah, it always changes, and then. Secondly, at the end of the day, like we always talk about, local produce is really good and we totally 100% are behind it. But if the quality is not there, then you have to go for quality over local yeah. because you can't serve you know, crap produce. Yeah. That's just yeah. Just because it's local. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's always just, yeah. A, just a, a toss-up of yeah. you know, quality. Like if, if, we, if, yeah, if something's like, you know, 200 kilometers away and it's the same quality as someone's 100 kilometers away, will go closer yeah. like if you know it's why we don't really set a radius like some people get a bit obsessed with like it's going within 100k yeah. but, but then yeah how's <laughs> the guy that's 110k's out yeah, yeah, you're, and like, you're like oh I'm sorry it. man I can't only, use your veg yeah, I wrote yeah. it on the menu yeah. it's only 100 unless you drive 10k this way drop it off and we'll just pick it off yeah. that would, like <laughs> what do you actually go especially you know such a massive country low locality is a uh, yeah, in the UK or from locals like it's proper local it's like it's like, like your village yeah, yeah 10k yeah like, yeah. like oh, the cows in the next field yeah. like that's the ones we use because they're close um, Australia's a little bit bigger yeah um, it's, we're pretty fortunate here in Wollongong though because with the landscape of this area you know you've got the the sort of the flats before the ocean and then you've got the escarpment and then you've got mm. the high country and there's so many different sort of microclimates yeah, yeah, within within yeah, the that area is, that is probably the I grew, I've grown up in Wollongong my whole life and probably the thing that until now I never really appreciated in that I never really noticed it probably but the diversity of of microclimates is absolutely like I don't know there's not many places in Australia. That have it, that our kind of diversity. You know, yeah. you went really Aussie there when you said Australia. So Australia, not Australia. Australia. Well, you know, you go <laughs> like from where we are as a restaurant, you can go five minutes down the road and be at the beach, but yeah. you can also go five minutes west and you're almost well, up the mountain. Yeah, or you're in some we, temperate rainforest halfway yeah, up the yeah, mountain, yeah. and then well, yeah. we can go you know, that way and pick sea lettuce, and then the other way and get mushrooms. Yeah, and you're like, they're, they're quite different conditions you need yeah. for those two things. And yeah. then you know you're going down the coast and you're hitting farmland pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, but then you go up the up the coast and you the two meet, and mm. that's quite yeah. a unique uh, you know environment where yeah. very bizarre things I think can grow. You, you know, there's an apple orchard up there, which is <laughs> which is bizarre to kind of think of an apple orchard in that kind of so close to the ocean. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's well, that's kind of the, the lucky thing. Is like we really we couldn't have this focus on local stuff if it wasn't if it wasn't good. There is good stuff around. Yep. So it, it's kind of it's not just using it for the sake of it. There is actually really good produce here. Um, you know, something that said like Yabby's Maron, so you got to go further out. And when we will have things like that on the menu, and we will get things from other places for the quality. Um, but there is some really good stuff here, and a lot of it, you know, 
things like your staples I think it's important people to use so you, you can get great you know cream milk eggs things like that you can like they're going to be as, as good as, as anywhere else in Australia yeah um, if you get you know some great people make you know, producing them so, so where do you get your eggs so eggs are from uh, a, two guys Poodle in the Hen Poodle in the company hen. name so the Pheasant's Nest yeah, yeah, yeah so nice. they got, they got uh, yeah duck eggs hen Guinea eggs fowl. hen eggs we call them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah guinea fowl eggs which is like, oh, quite cool. found yeah. useful um, yeah Guinea fowl eggs are a funny one. They're actually sometimes too fresh to, to peel. Wow. Like, yeah, like so fresh that this little album still caught it's to the thing. Yeah, so. they, they were saying that they normally do like soft-boiled eggs for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. And with the guinea fowl eggs, they have to leave them for like a couple of days because yeah. they're too fresh. Just so they just yeah. do it soft-boiled. <laughs> yeah, it's really. So that's, that's really bizarre that's cool. to think about eggs that are too fresh. Yeah, exactly. Because you'd never get an egg like that from the, from the supermarket. Yeah. And your dairy you get from South Coast dairy. That's, yeah, it's like they're, they're great. All the Downing Berry. Yeah, all yeah. their farms are within like a fifteen k radius. It's just sort of co-op of people. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we went down the other day and got little, little sort of plant processing thing, and like everyone knows each other. And yeah, like there's a, like across the road is Gus the farmer. Gus Miller, who's one Nin- of the oldest yeah. um, dairy farmers in ninety two years old, yeah. sitting out on his farm. Really good chat with him about rugby mainly. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's some of the funnest it's some of the funnest yeah. things to do is to go visit the farms. Oh, that, was, yeah. that was a great day. Yeah, like we just because we did, we kind of didn't expect it to be like it was. We were kind of like oh you know we'll just go down there and we'll we'll just see. see. And then you know for them to kind of go out of their way to show us through everything. And, yeah, dressed you know, up we in sat, overalls sat, and yeah, snoods. Sat down with a ninety-two-year-old man and talked about yeah farming, yeah, and, stuff. farming that, yeah. and football. And I think that's kind of that's pretty awesome. It's that's, um, yeah. it's, it's an awesome. It's it's a it's an awesome connection you see well, because yeah. a lot of the time, chefs and farmers come from completely different walks of life, yeah. but they relate to each other so well when it comes to produce. Yeah. And chefs, when they see good produce, you just see chefs' eyes light up like this is just fantastic. And uh, you know, you might get some hipster chef covered in tats and piercings yes. talking to a ninety-year-old farmer, yeah, ninety-year-old <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. farmer, but they're just completely connected. Yeah. Their passion for a certain product. Well, that, at the end of the day, that's what like to relate back to what we were talking about before about customers wanting connection to their food we have that connection to the food mm. customer when they're eating dinner here can't have that connection but they yeah. can have the connection through us because mm. I've got that connection I went down and you know we went down and met Gus and you know yeah I, I mean and just the fact we can someone's asking about especially like an egg dish and it's the egg's kind of the star of it and people are like, oh my god where do you get your eggs from and we can be like oh it's put it on the head Oh, Dana and Trevor. That's one. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Tom talks to Dana. You can just rattle off the names. names off the top of your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but um, but yeah, and then you might you might get the producers come yeah. in and you can serve them their produce yeah, yeah, so, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. It's always exciting. Yeah. yeah, I think most people we've we've sort of dealt with have, have come in for dinner or will be coming in for dinner at yeah. some point, like um, Yelford and Truffles, Ted and Ted and Barbara. Yeah, they'll be They're coming a down. Couple, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be coming down for dinner for one of the nights as well. So. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's great. Can, uh, yeah. talk to they, didn't they, talk they to started their farm as a hobby for their retirement yeah. or something, and now they're yeah. just like, like most people are pumping out bulk yeah. truffles yeah. up One, in Robertson. 1.3k yeah. truffles. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this giant thing. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And you guys take your staff out to farms and stuff as well? Um, we try to as much as possible. It's the boys in the kitchen, more so in the front. Um, yeah. The front of the house, we sort of focus more on uh, training. Yeah. Wine and things like that. Got to get um, it right. But yeah, like, you know, the boys will come out and. You know, Andy, our apprentice, will always be out foraging stuff, or, so he knows where to get some little things now, so we can send him out to that's to nice. Pick some loxalis leaves and things like that. So, um, Andy's, yeah, Andy's generally my right hand man. He's, yeah, he's your forager. Yeah. And then Luke, Luke helps me taste all the beer, which is really good. That's but cool. It's a really hard job. Yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> but you know, you've got, you've got it's that, that's another thing about the Wollongong environment is having access to, you know, these rock platforms and and, and dunes and beaches where mm. you can pick bits and pieces. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, most you know, most of our little garnishy bits on a dish is, is something we're going to go pick. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a little kind of last last. That's a lot of, of our, flourish, uh, it's it a good sort of reprieve from the kitchen as well oh, at times. Exactly. He, he loves it exactly. Yeah. It's just like you spend so many hours got, in that got little room. Little gumboots as well, have you? Yeah, we got gumboots from the young. It's, Crocs. Like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty muddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of like you spend so long in that room that you like, uh, like it's nice just to get out. And, for sure and see that fresh you know as kind of I, I hate it to sound really wanky but like where things come from oh totally and it's really you know that fresh air and um, it's pretty yeah nice yeah it's, nice. it's it, it, it kind of does sound wanky saying it but I've said it before and when you talk about getting mushrooms or something or you, you're out you know 
in the in the bloody mangroves getting samphire or whatever it might mm-hmm. be once you once you do it you really understand how the flavor of those things are a reflection of the environment yeah, that, well, yeah. that they grow yeah, especially, in yeah. especially you know, samphire's massive example yeah like, 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 like the, the air is salty when yeah you just like, you're down yeah. there and you're just like smell yeah. like salt yeah it just literally smells like salt mm. um I think that's, that's an, uh, samphire is an amazing ingredient I think as well it's mm. definitely like sort of terroir kind of thing like it's just mm. it tastes of the ocean yeah love it um alright let's we'll change tact a little bit um mm-hmm. you guys are do you guys do like a fair few sort of special events and stuff like that and get the community involved um you know you've got as you said this truffle event coming up and a vegan dinner in the past and you're also doing a cooking school. You want to tell us a little bit about the cooking school? Um, yeah, so it's something that sort of Kavo became quite well known for um, when they first opened, um, and with the sort of change around, you know, they haven't been on for the last couple of years with the previous owners opening uh, mochi and things. So we just kind of thought we'd uh, it would start it back up, give it a go. So we um, we've got them every couple of months. Um, we'll probably try and make them a bit more consistent. But yeah, we just kind of get in the kitchen. Me and Tom talk a lot of shit show some dishes yeah everyone gets to kind of have a little go at some little things um and it's it's pretty light-hearted we just kind of get in there chop some stuff and but kind of try and teach some little tricks that yeah you, exactly. can, you can take home as well it's not just it's, it's not just doing cabot dishes it's kind of like well we definitely try to, to strike that balance between like fun and exciting but also something you can do at home like we we never wanted to be that kind of cookery school where Oh, this is all things that you could never do at home. Yeah, exactly. Because right. yeah. uh, I think that that's kind of completely pointless. We, we did do liquid nitrogen. Well, we did do like, <laughs> like, last dessert that we did. We but did. that's something that that's, well, that's, that's very the fun element. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then also for that dish, we made we made ice cream in like well, we did like five minute ice cream or something. Yeah, frozen ice cream, fruit, and cream, frozen fruit, fruit and cream, cream and like the best trick. Yeah, you you know you can make ice cream in you know as you five minutes. Yeah, and that's the kind fr- of the fruit. Um, freezes the, the cream really quickly to get really smooth yeah. like fruit ice cream yep. yeah. it's just like, you know, that's like, something you can do at home Yeah, yeah but yeah, then yeah. it's also like oh, you've got to make it but te- I guess it technically a good ice cream as well yeah and mm. also something that's really fun so <laughs> yeah. let's do uh, you know for uh, liquid nitrogen that kind of yeah. is exciting but it's also something a dish that you know part of it they can do at home yeah totally yeah, yeah it's funny you get, we do three courses everyone gets to eat the courses yeah um, we, we offer a little like some matched wines, so we'll talk about the wines. You do sort of some local stuff as well, um, and do a little chat about that. And then yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's good fun. And it we'll, is. We'll, we'll probably do a few. I think a few more of the with, year. I don't know it, the sort of state with of the media and stuff now. You know, chefs hat restaurants and finer dining venues and things like that. Um, you know, the chefs have a bit of that sort of that sort of rock star persona a little bit there's lots of celebrity chefs floating around mm. but you guys probably because you're so used to using different techniques and ingredients in your kitchen because you're chefs and that's what you do until you do a cooking school don't realise how unfamiliar people are with certain techniques and ingredients yeah. Yeah. and showing them these little tricks and you know what you can do make a dust or make a dehydrated something or yeah, how to make exactly, a puree yeah. that's nice and stable or how to use you know herbs in a certain way or mm. whatever technique it might be even liquid nitrogen like it's so much fun for people to get an insight into that yeah, yeah. so you probably see their eyes light up and be like well, yeah, wow yeah. that's how you use liquid yeah, like, exactly. I think it's, it's almost good to have people come in and even the dishes we're doing they're kind of slightly more stripped back than some of the, the, the plates we put up on a normal night but people can see the amount of work that goes into it like you know we're usually here a couple of hours before cookery school getting everything ready so it's kind of is that you know this is one I made earlier but like the amount of sort of work amount of things that go into it I think it's good for people to be able to see the actual amount of work totally we do do in the kitchen because oh, yeah. a dish can especially like you want that kind of elegant simplicity of the look of a dish but you kind of underneath that is, is all these little techniques and these little things and you know a day's worth of prep for four people mm. before it can actually come on the plate. So it's quite right. nice that people actually go like, ah, oh, yeah, that's what you guys do all day. Yeah, yeah, probably maybe get some people not complaining about price once they know how much. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Ah, oh, get it all right. Yeah, yeah. So that took twelve hours to do just that one yeah, little exactly. tiny component of the yeah. these was things it, yeah. that are on. So it's, it's, like, it's, it's like the, uh, the field course. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other, the other night, they're like, oh, how do you do the cured duck yo- yo- uh, egg yolks? And I was like, oh, so we cook them at you know 64 degrees for an hour, ice bath, um, take them out, and then we salt them for a week. Um, <laughs> and she was just like, so you're telling me that that egg takes like a week to make? And I'm yeah. like, yeah. And she's like, oh, right. 
And I'm like, it's not something, you know, these things, you know, the beef, then there's also the beef tendons on that dish, yeah, which you have to boil braise, for hours. Yeah, braise for a day, freeze them, slice them really thinly, dehydrate them, and then fry them. Yeah. That takes yeah. three days. Yeah. And that's like pretty, you know, manpower heavy. Yeah. That's one dish, and yeah. that's not even all the components. That's, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's two. That's got heaps that's, on it. As well. Yeah, it's got heaps of things yeah. on it. And but like, it looks quite simple in essence. You look yeah. at it, you're like, oh, it's some meat and. Is this that's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at that. Like, it looks yeah. like rubbish. Hey, yeah. Go on. <laughs> and I think that's kind of that's that's one dish that people kind of look at and get. Yeah, it looks really simple. Mm. But if you break it down into how many hours of prep go into it, you're like, oh, yeah. right. I think and and you know, explaining it to this customer on the weekend, she was like. Wow, I couldn't do that at home, and I'm like, no, you could. It definitely <laughs> yeah, would just take a lot of time. It would just yeah. take you a long time. Yeah. It's a labour of love. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is you're making one thing. You're making a beef tendon cracker. Yeah. And then what are you going to do with it? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to eat your crackers like a chip. They're yeah. pretty delicious, though. You could. <laughs> they are. You could just, yeah, you could just like smash a lot of them down. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the dishes that you gave us for the book. Mm-hmm. So the first one is the the duck egg dish. Yeah. Simon, you want to tell us about? Um, so we're kind of really happy with this dish in, in the, the way we came up with it, the way it looks and the textures and stuff. So we're, we're kind of quite proud of this one. Um, and it, again, it's everything. Every step is quite simple. Things take a little bit of time, but um, it all kind of comes well together. So it's a it's a, a sous vide or a slow poached duck egg. Um, then we make a kind of uh, almost like a fake nest out of potato, although we never really say that. It's just mm. little, little strings of potatoes that are fried and crispy. Um, there's pickled mustard seed. There's little mustard greens. Then we use duck breast um, to make pastrami, so like your beef. So we um, brine it, uh, smoke it, marinate it, slice it. Um, then we use the duck liver to make a parfait. So that's underneath it as well. So again, all, all things that are quite simple, um, but it's a lot of texture. It's kind of a very textural dish. The duck egg is kind of sumptuous and and soft. And there's always a lot of textures and acidity and, and you know, just you know, savouriness from the egg so mm. it kind of I really like that dish on sort of all levels mm. um, and it looks really pretty as well so it's kind of um, we're, yeah that'll definitely make a comeback in the future yeah it it's a beautiful looking dish and you can see how the yeah. texture texture works I think it must be interesting as well for you know if you yeah, get an explanation of it at the table for people to really understand yeah. how you can use so many different elements like from one animal yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. I think all our dishes are a bit like that even, even like desserts um we kind of just pick one thing and let's let's see how many different things we can do with it so it's okay well duck eggs we use the breasts we use um, um the livers and legs we'll use for something else for like a sunday lunch dish one day as well so yeah um again it's, it's using everything using the whole animal and we always think you know even now even with vegetables it's like well, if we're gonna do turnip let's do turnip three ways yeah. rather, rather than go let's do a turnip let's do a leek let's do this that and the other it's like well let's just pick one thing different techniques different textures different yeah. flavors that's kind of how we build up a dish. So, so that, that the duck is kind of very much uh, our kind of the way we do food. That's it kind of sums up quite well in that one dish. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, and Tom, the um, the dessert. So uh, the local milk and honey. Um, Your honey. Yes, my honey yeah. uh, from honey. from uh, bees uh, that have been in my family for like fifty years. Wow. Um, Kind of when my when my grandfather moved to Australia, bought the bees with him and had them ever since. And I remember as a kid, we used to have like we had like thirty beehives in the backyard. Wow. Um, obviously, as as he got older, kind of dropped back a little bit. Um, it's a funny little dish, really, because people read. I I quite love it because people read it on the menu and go, "Are you just yeah. going to give me a glass of milk with honey <laughs> in there?" And and I kind of really like that because it's a little well, that bit, was a, little bit thought of, behind it. Wasn't yeah, it was like a little bit of trickery. Under so. explain, over deliver. Yeah, sort of. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love. And then that. the the milk, obviously from South Coast Dairy, um, just kind of, I think you know when we went down the other day, they were saying that um, they test one every single batch of milk, and yeah. industry standard says you have to test one in every twenty. Wow. And I think. That's obviously quality control. Yep. And and the quality is there. Um, you know, I kind of, funnily enough, if there's ever milk that kind of goes out of date, I'll take it home with me. It's generally fine. Wouldn't serve here, and it'll last like five days. Yeah. And I think that's 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 quality. That's mm. really good milk. And uh, you know, you, you make we make whenever we do make things out of it, it always turns out better because it's just good milk. Yeah. Um, it's something that that people. People who really know about it are, are coffee people. Yeah, they they really appreciate good milk. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time people just be in the supermarket and go for whatever, yeah. go for the cheapest one. But yeah. there is such a difference. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so some of the some of the things on the, the textures and the techniques you've yeah, got. Yeah, so we got, have uh, there's a honey sponge cake, um, which we do in the microwave, uh, which is kind of the. That's cool. Out of the siphon. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. no just no? straight straight into the microwave and just. Ah. Kind of, Come straight up, which nice. is really nice. if you a little get, bit more yeah. dense than out of the uh, siphon, but yeah, if you of, get the mix right, the, the aeration that micro gives it yeah. is fine for um, awesome. Yeah. Then we have honeycomb powder. Uh, we have a honey chul with milk foam inside, um, milk ice cream, a bit of honey on top, um, and some milk shards. Yeah, so and frozen flower petals and fro- frozen flower petals. Yeah, because bees like flowers. Bees yeah. like flowers. Um, yeah, honey's definitely one of those things that I. I seriously, seriously love. Um, I think I, the you, cool thing about that dish as well is because you're using the honey from the, you know, the same hives. At different times of year, different stuff will be flowering, and the yeah. honey will change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. your, your dish honey, it'll still taste like honey, but it'll be a little bit different, like from yeah, time to time. The honey that's on the on the um, on the on the dessert now is you know harvested <laughs> six weeks ago. Yep. And that's that's summer honey, um, which is really like. You know, bright, floral, um, really like sweet, um, kind of what that you know typical perception of what honey is. You know, that really yellow. Um, oppositely, during winter, when you harvest at the end of winter and you harvest honey, it's really dark, um, almost like molasses. Um, you know, a lot of the, the temperature being colder crystallizes the sugars differently, uh, and also a completely different flavor because it's not the same flowers. Um, you know, flowering during summer as there is during winter. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it such an interesting ingredient is that it's always always changing. Love that. Um, What's well, in the works was to try and do a yeah keep the summer honey and then in winter do a summer honey winter honey dish. Two, wow, yeah, two that is interesting. Two honeys yeah, on the same we've dish. Thought about it a bit. Which same was, which was, yeah, which is kind of the um, was how we sort of came to this dish. This was kind of a stripped back version. Yeah, as we sort of uh, refine it and come up with some other things, we were kind of yeah, it would definitely be a sort of summer winter honey yeah kind of play off different things I think, with I think we'll ones. probably work towards that one though yeah 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 that'd be really interesting yeah yeah. yeah because I, I I was pretty naive about honey you know a while ago until I started meeting some honey producers and mm. I was like like yeah, I, I want to taste the difference and then there was these guys in Canberra that lined them all up and I was like it's just yeah. night and day some different different honeys and yeah. can come from the same bees it's just they happen to be visiting a different bloody tree that week than yeah, they did yeah. the week before like yeah. pretty, pretty interesting um, okay so what what we'll do now is we'll do a few little like short sharp things yeah. and then we're going to we're going to turn some of these things into digital content so not necessarily just the podcast we'll like write a short article and stuff that we'll be able yeah, to publish cool. and whatever so you guys um and you mentioned it briefly, but buying things in like whole ducks and whole fish and, you know, quarter of an animal or whatever it might be is something important to you guys. I want to go through some of the benefits of buying buying whole fish or whole animals and we'll just go one by one and you guys can just give us like some of the benefits. So, yeah. um, just one. I think you, you get more aspects of your dish. So you buy whole fish, you got the, the, the flesh... You got the skin, which all the time we, we dehydrate and fry, and that puffs up like a little kind of um, little rice crackery thing. And then you got the bones as well, and there's so much flavour in the bones. Um, the nanny guy dish, we we dry those bones out, we smoke them, make a stock out of them, juice it down. It just makes this amazing kind of fish bone broth. And and you got you got something that's almost nicer than the flesh mm-hmm. from something a lot of people throw away, or you might you know, the fish might take straight off the bone that goes to somewhere yeah so you, you just get you get more aspects to something yeah. you want to do so you've got more you've got more to play with and you've mm. got I guess that's good for sort of giving you the op- opportunity to experiment as well is having yeah. these different you know portions of a, of a fish and some people are going crazy with it now yeah especially like like the little the, the, the collar oh yeah like, the collar, there's a yeah. really nice little nugget of meat in there and you've got the big fin on it but you just got to kind of get at it like so like Little bits like that, and cheeks and fish as well. There's, there's so many parts of a fish people don't really use, mm-hmm. and there's some really tasty parts that just take a little bit more of a more, more He's told my answer. Oh. No, I'm, no, I'm gonna, okay. I can prompt you. I can give you. I've got a couple of ones <laughs> yeah. here. So no, 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 I'll, go, I, I, yeah. I'll go more from a, a I guess a, a waste standpoint. Mm, sustainability in that, in that. Yeah, like so many things are wasted these days. It's just like it, it gets to the point where you're like. 
you know, I hate to kind of talk about poorer countries in the world that would probably kill to have the things that we throw away. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of, at the end of the day, you know, we work on a, on a level of food that's, uh, you know, fine dining in that in the sense of it's very refined and it's very it's obviously a little bit more expensive than average meal and therefore we kind of feel as though because we're doing that we should not waste anything Mm. um, and use as much of that as possible um, as we're kind of the luxury side of what food is as opposed to the um, you know necessity for life yep you know if you don't have food you die Mm. you know we're kind of the luxury side of that which is you know an advantage that we are able to do that but it also we don't want to kind of take it in the wrong way in that we can abuse that privilege mm. um, it's obviously you know very nice that we can do it but we should also be thinking about the you know the rest of the world and what's going on there and try and be as sustainable as we can awesome uh, Simon do you want to do another one I've got some more ideas here if you want me to give you one um it's kind of the difference between me and Tom sometimes is that I'm a bit more like, well, he gets more more stuff, more food. What's, yeah. what's the problem? Tom probably thinks about other things. More <laughs> me, I'm, I'm like, well, if you get. But for you guys as well, it's, it it translates financially because you've got to think about cost of goods. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, that, that, that kind of that kind of restaurant. That, yeah, that kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, and that so, kind. Of, but a lot of it, like, you know, if you're a smart, like, even if I, you know, we weren't doing fine dining, we're just to some cafe. It's just smart buying. It's got yeah. nothing to do with like it's like take out the business side of it and just look at it like it's just smart buying. Mm. Why would you buy mm. breast for the same price you can buy a whole Yeah. That makes no sense. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like like you know, you can you can use legs. If you've got legs of, of a bird you, you can freeze them down, you can you can use them for something another time. Well, but we kind of another we dish, do that where we'll you know, we had guinea fowl on, we had so many legs. Yeah, left over. Yeah. And the, the legs, throw leg, them out. Yeah, legs was on the dish, but freeze them, more and then we use them for a, you know a Sunday lunch a couple of a month later or yeah. something. That's staff lunch. Whatever. Yeah, staff lunch. Yeah, like, it's it's yeah, just don't waste it. Yeah, just don't exactly. throw it in the bin for no reason. Yeah, it's like like it, it's just more work, and that's why people want to do it. Really. Yeah. Like if you get you get a whole forequarter of a, a lamb in, like there's, there's the kind of bits you might want, and there's some other stuff. But like you, know, you could take it off, you could make that into a little sauce, or you can make it into a pasta do dish you, or like whatever it is do you think then another benefit would be that it gives you guys the opportunity to experiment or almost provides you a challenge in a sense like you know here's this you've got all this how are you going to use every single piece of it yeah definitely it's always like I think like the dish we had before was well the duck dish was kind of like that you know it kind of started yeah. off as a, a duck egg nest and then it was like we should probably put some more duck on it. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? Duck Let's duck do, things, yeah. and then you know, then you you're forced, you know, because yeah. you're buying whole animals and you're you're thinking about it. You're forced to kind of mm. go. Well, I can't just do the the normal thing. Yeah. Let's try and do something a little bit different, because otherwise it becomes a bit boring. And then yeah. you start, you know, pushing the boundary of, well, what, what can we do? Mm. What do we have? What was on the the pumpkin and mushroom dish? What was a bird? Guinea Last bell. menu. Oh, partridge. Partridge. Yeah. So that dish, we again, we had, we had the breast, which we were sort of using with the legs, and we're like, what do we do with legs? And I think I was looking at, like, trying to find, like, sort of classic Aussie stuff, and I'm like, rissoles. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing little rissoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the leg meat it's, and the little, like, and know, that's like trim. That was awesome because you got to take, like, I'll be talking to customers, and they'll be yeah. like, oh, man, I remember, you know, having rissoles when I was a kid, and I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 I had them too. My mum used to make rissoles all the yeah. time, and they were so bad. <laughs> they were so bad. Like, they were so dry, you'd be like, I was eating sawdust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and this is, like, a really good rissole yeah, yeah. that's not dry and, and, like, eating sawdust. Yeah. And I think people Definitely. kind of, that that was really easy for people to relate to. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's kind of those, those cheaper cuts have got that kind of, that history of them of, a lot of classic cuisines have always used these kind of cheaper things like mince so many things you do with mince um, you know like you know, cockavan is usually like, like legs of, of chicken which you know go to the supermarket and you mainly buy just breasts there's a massive lot of chicken like left that you're not using so like using up these other little things gives you that kind of almost that link and you go like okay what what could we do with that or you know how could we do that in a few yeah. you know rissoles or it, it did, pushes you guys a little yeah. ragu or something yeah it kind of it's, it's quite cool to have that yeah. um, and then the, la- the last thing that I thought I was Potentially, that translates into you guys pushing your guests a little bit to be more adventurous. Yeah, yeah. I think that's was a bit awful. People still aren't particularly keen on on having that, and we've always sort of served quite a bit of awful here, but kind of tucked it in there a little bit. On the, on yeah, the, you on call the it a buffet. Yeah, um, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So awful people are still a little bit wary of, but it's again, as this, 
there's this massive stuff that gets thrown away um, and, and it's, it's nothing wrong with it it's really tasty mm. it's just got that kind of perceived notion yeah. that it's strong have you, have you seen in your guys careers have you seen people venturing more into things like offal yeah definitely like, some, there's yeah. A definitely a couple of things now that I've seen lately that I'm like oh yeah like yeah. Uh, Orana did that um, oh, like the, magpie the, goose uh, the but throat trachea throat? like a yeah, 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 yeah. esophagus or esophagus yeah, yeah. And, and they stuffed it with yeah, like uh, some cool. kind of that's yeah pretty I was like, but no, like liver puff that's right out there. oh right yeah, yeah. That's right. and I was like that's that's pretty <laughs> yeah. like it's genius that's yeah, that, yeah it's and it's also <laughs> like you see things like that and you're like perfect sausage casing yeah 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 how did you not how did I not think about it I was not done that yeah yeah I think I think like Australia probably less so in the UK offal is a bit more popular and a bit more Keener eats it. I it think is it's pretty kind of, delicious. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost like a an age thing. Like like, my, my, we used a lot of offal at restaurants to work back in Wales, and we used to just beef tongue. And my, my nan was like, "Oh, we used to have beef tongue. We just boil it." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, the like, like, that's the worst way to cook like, it. Tripe and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah I used yeah. to have tripe. Tripe drops a bit far, but uh, anything you got to like bleach to <laughs> yeah <laughs> make it make it edible. Cool. A, bit, a bit too much, but yeah, I think it, it's something we want to try and push a bit more and. Um, well, obviously, it's, it's quite hard to get hold of a lot of times as well. Yeah, and really, it's one of the things that, like, well, like if, we, again, we, if, if it's local, you can, you can get more of the offal and things. We if, did if it's from far, further away. You know, obviously, the innards go off quicker than the meat. So yeah. it's um, we did a, a pork dinner at the start of, oh, I don't know, sometime earlier in the year, and uh, we did a pig's blood meringue. So pig, pig's blood has kind of the same protein makeup as egg whites. Wow. Okay. Um, I could we couldn't get fresh pig blood, like no one could get it. So I had to go to the abattoir. Wow. To get fresh pig's blood wow. straight off the like and I was, from I, the pig. Yeah, and like that was obviously a really awesome experience in that I, I saw a lot and was kind of op- you open your eyes it's to like uh, you know I've I've seen animals be killed heaps of times, but on a commercial level, it's pretty full on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, to get things like like sourcing certain awful things can be really difficult yeah um, and I think it's just because one if it's a liver generally gets pre-sold before the animal's killed right and then like ducks and stuff yeah ducks goose. like you know goose liver yeah you can't get goose liver fresh really yeah you can't get it get it's sold it's sold before right. the animal's even alive yeah um, and then anything else is generally kind of oh if you really want it <laughs> yeah. you have to come yeah. and get it yeah, but yeah, and sometimes it's, it's in, in there. I was talking to a to a lamb a lamb producer, and he said that he wanted to offer brains as a part of the lamb the, the whole lambs that they oh, that they sell to people. Yeah, but because of the way the abattoir has their system, they can't guarantee that the brains that they give them are going to be from their lambs and stuff. Yeah, so they yeah. couldn't offer yeah, like exactly. just because the systems that are in place in between yeah, the abattoir yeah. and the yeah, sort of producer and stuff. Yeah. So because there's not really a market for it, like yeah, again, you don't really see much often in supermarkets. Mostly a bit of liver and things like that, but why? You know, why are they going to go to all this effort to, to you know to get it out intact, to store it, to try and sell it when no one's buying it? Yeah. So it's one, it's one of those kind of things. Well, if people start wanting that more and asking for things like that, then you probably be able to see it more readily. Mm. But whether that's going to happen, is, yeah. it's it's cool to see. I've, I've seen in a few places um, places that might be a bit more casual that they use offal in a in a sense of a really sort of familiar dish. So. A restaurant with like a a tongue schnitzel something or, yeah, or yeah. like I've seen you know deep fried sweetbreads you know yeah. battered and fried sweetbreads or something like that yeah, so yeah. it kind of because the technique is so familiar even though the ingredients not people might give it a go because yeah, they're like exactly. I know what a schnitzel is I'll yeah, try yeah, a tongue yeah. you know like so I, I, think, yeah. I think the key is there if you deep fry anything it will be delicious <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that's there you go rule, really. just start anything. deep frying anything yeah cool. Mars bars Awful. Oh, they're good. Mm. Deep fried Mars bar. Ridiculous, yeah. 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 Ice cream. Who's <laughs> talking about deep fried ice cream? One idiot and a genius. Mm. Deep fried potato. <laughs> um. Dude, chips. Oh, chips. <laughs> All right, we'll do. We'll, Is that what chips are? <laughs> I just thought they were just chips. Apparently, eh? We'll do uh, a few last little rapid fire questions, like basically one word answers. Yeah, okay. um, and I'll ask fun. Yeah, it'll be a bit of fun. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, so I'll just go back yeah. and forward between you guys. So, Simon. Your favourite tool in your kit? You can only choose one. Oh, it's going to be don't say, <laughs> yeah. don't say knife. Oh, damn it, because that's literally what I'm going to use. Um, chopping board. 
In your role, I'm very, what? I'm very stripped back. What I do in the kitchen, I, I have like three Sorry, knives. Oh, I swear. Oh, that is a really, really bad tongs. Answer. I know. <laughs> I'm like, like, what, what else do I use? I use knives. I want a little cool tool. I want a chefy yeah. tool. I, yeah, I don't, I don't do, uh, this is the worst thing I don't do chef You don't tools. use chefy tools. He's got tweezers, I got tongs. Like my big yeah, tweezers. right, okay. So, what about, I think the thing is that people don't use enough at home and things like palette knives and fish fish uh, flippers. Yeah, and, I've got my my, uh, my fish slice, which is yeah, um, by slice. the brand Dick. Yeah, so, okay, um, that's, that, that's always good for a joke in the kitchen. So yeah, I'd definitely yeah. say my dick is my favourite tool in the kitchen. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you got a favourite? <laughs> Don't ah. say my dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, probably my large tweezers, to be honest. The big tweezers. Yeah, my big ones. Because yeah, yeah. they're like, Love the they're like double as tongs. They're long enough yeah. where you can like put, the, put the end one, of it one in the deep fryer. Well, isn't it? Yeah, yep. true. <laughs> my long tweezers. You put them in the deep fryer, and, you, and they don't get hot up the top, and then yeah. you can all, you can just tweezers. They're very good. Versatile. Tweezers. Versatile. One word. Give, us, the, give, give, all right. give it one word. All right. Sorry. Favorite protein to cook with? Lamb. Pork. Cool. Why? Let's go back I'm and forth again. I'm from Wales. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> good answer. Generally, you have to braise it. Cool. <laughs> Most underrated veggie? Oh, Swede. Oh. No one uses Swede. It's delicious. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. You use sweet puree. It's hardly you. I like the sweet puree. It's good. Um, I think onion. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think like no, like people kind of underestimate how delicious an onion is. Yeah. Like, oh, onion's yeah. really nice, and they they kind of like, oh yeah, you just put a bit of onion in, and it's like, yeah, but like, like just think about what you're doing. Like, it's an onion. Yeah, it makes everything really good. There's so many things that start with onion. Yeah. And well, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That's a good one. Um, thermo mixes, good or bullshit? Uh yeah, good. Yeah, good. Why? Um. They do a bit of everything, like and especially a lot of things you you just want to. It saves you whisking and heating, really. Yeah, <laughs> a lot okay. of time you, you go on, you go heat, and then you leave it. Right, and, you, and you're good. Then you, and you get the right temperature. They're accurate. Good, accuracy is key. Good for accuracy. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those one of those tools that kind of like. I guess I don't of, know who's saying they're a bad thing now. Well, no, okay. <laughs> I've, I've seen a few people who just like say, look, like. You can just achieve all this stuff anyway with simpler equipment. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's one of those things that make your pro- make your uh, your product better, but it also means you have to have less skill. Yeah. Okay. So, like, it's you know, like it's lucky for, eh? for us, it's great. For an apprentice, probably not. Yeah. Because their apprentice to didn't ever learn how make to a how you, yeah make a hollandaise properly. Yeah. Oh, well, like, or you're gonna use it right. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't make hollandaise in there. Well, no, but like that was just an example. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, for us it's great. Well, we just like, some people do do all bang, easy. But, yeah. but for an apprentice who probably needs to learn how to do things properly and why it happens that way, yeah, it's not the best. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you you walk across to the Asian gross across the road and you need three Fun. things that are a staple. What are the three things you can't live without from the from dumplings, the Asian gross? Dumplings, spring rolls, lunch crackers. Okay. Salt, lemon. Um, I want Asian grocer stuff. Oh right, yeah. I thought you meant stuff lunch. in general. Are we talking about lunch, aren't we? No, just oh, three just ingredients gen- from the Asian grocer. Oh god! Like what do you like? I mean, I I love sriracha on my kitchen shelf. Sriracha. I like. Uh, I couldn't do without fish sauce. Yeah, I guess not necessarily oh, in here, but also yeah, right. Hoisin, at home. Ho- love hoisin sauce. Yeah, I guess I'll put a hoisin and oyster sauce actually. Yeah, yeah, some sort of sauce. Fish sauce is. Just one of those weird things that smells horrible because everything that beautiful baseline. Yeah. Um, rice. Good rice. Rice is pretty delicious. Yeah. yeah. Rice and is good. Pretty versatile. People you always still, just, you, you still people at home always right? just go, oh, steamed rice is disgusting. I'm like, yeah, because it's just rice. Like, of course, you got to put things with it. Yeah. This is and then it's tasty. But anything with rice. I've right. been getting into black vinegar recently. I bloody love black vinegar. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Mm. I used to yeah. love malt vinegar with my dumplings. I think Asian yeah. supermarkets are great for going and just looking and being like, "What is that?" Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, so, little... Yeah. Usually, if I go over there, I come back with something that's strange. So yeah. Usually, well, like, that, uh, I came back the other day with uh, was that fruit called? No, it was it was uh, ocean coconut 
Mm, oh, yeah. It was like slices of yeah, dehydrated. Is, yeah. yeah, it was really it's always bizarre. something in interest. It tasted horrible. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get it. Hit and miss. Dehydrated squid snack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so weird. And like things that you like, you read the packet and you can't, you don't know what it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to yeah. get it now. So I think yeah. just three things I've never heard of before. They're the staples. Got okay. So for dessert, chocolate or fruit? Fruit. Yeah. Chocolate, unless yeah. unless it's citrus based dessert. Right, okay. They, they citrus based desserts like lemon tart. You can't have you. That doesn't okay. matter. We, sorry, one we, we've been really bad with one word. That's all right. I said I answered that one correctly for the first time. So I feel like I, I feel start, like that's I feel like it's a bit of a polarizing thing dessert. So it's either the people that like chocolate, vanilla, and caramel and creamy yeah, yeah. stuff, yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. the people that like the fruity stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let's try that again. Chocolate, creamy, caramel person or fruity sorbet. Chocolate, creamy, caramel type person. And Tom? Well, you, you, put f- car- f- you put caramel and chocolate. Oh, no, side. no, 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 no. What you got to say now is I'm a fruity person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fruity. I like the fruity stuff. I like fruity things. I should have said I should have said just sorbet or gelato. Like, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Caramel gets me every time. Ollie, right? Ollie orders it, so it's the worst question. I might just order them. It's fine. Um, so, parmigiana or snitty with gravy? Snitty with gravy for Oh, Parmesan for sure. It's not even close. you're going to say Snitty with gravy is all right, but there's no rule like... It's just like... Deep deep frying and anything with gravy. That'll just... It's winner. Yeah, because you're from the UK. Yeah, I know. Deep fried things with gravy. This might be be a, a, a harder one. Is there any moments that you can remember from in your career that were sort of revelatory in the kitchen? Did you see someone doing something did, did a chef teach you a technique where yeah. you were just like wow can you remember any of those yeah go oh, um, I'm ready I'll go <laughs> just, it's ready. not a yes or no yeah, yeah. Oh, right. it's, a, it's a tell the story um, right. answer when I was at uh, two Michelin star restaurant Champignon Sauvage um, and thinking that like a two hour two Michelin restaurant had to be this this crazy regimented shouty shouty Gordon Ramsay style kitchen and go in there and look at and seeing how calm they were and how like had this a good fun all day. Everyone worked hard, just produced these amazing, amazing food. Just constructed the way I kind of felt food should be done as well. Mm-hmm. And just the time I was there was that was really kind of like yeah, that kind of get, it definitely gave me insight of like oh, I think I could do that or I could right. get to that sort of level. And that was probably the first time I really was like, it's 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 not about being overcomplicated and about shouting and all these other things that kind of chefs are sort of renowned for. It's just it's elegant simplicity is the way and that, that was it that was a big sort of moment for me awesome Tom you remember what? Uh, I think yeah mine's kind of similar in that it wasn't really a, a single moment it was more so um, I guess a lifetime summed up in one day okay in that I kind of always grew up on a farm where all you know we had everything you know, on our, in our backyard basically we had all our own animals or vegetables and things like that bees um, and I never really took it I always took it for granted I never really noticed how good it was until many years later and I went and worked at Bray and kind of was very much immersed in that go out in the morning pick your vegetables to cook with for that day to serve that night that kind of was like oh right that's pretty I kind of didn't really know how good that was when I was younger and now now it's what I'm chasing now it's like that's what I want to do all the time Mm. I want to have that as part of my everyday life one of these years like, need a bigger garden yeah yeah it's yeah. an interesting cycle yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. cool um, where do you get your coffee from in Wollongong any place Opus Opus, Opus. It's like, Opus. always Opus absolutely every, I, have, I have breakfast <laughs> every morning it's and next. it's not just because they're next door it's, it doesn't matter where yeah, you, if, it, where <laughs> the business was you'd um, still probably go there right uh, depends how far there's, there's a limit to how far we'll yeah. coffee but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> them opening next door was like oh my god that's a chef's dream yeah. like, and they do do the, probably the best coffee in Wollongong as well yeah. so beautiful you know that on your doorstep and they're, like, they're just really nice as well like, yeah. you go in there and they're always they're keen right. for a chat and, yeah it's just their, their butter's really good there as well. Yeah. Good butter. Yeah. yeah. yeah must have to go try it. Yeah, those Kavo boys. Those Kavo boys. Um, <laughs> it was Andy, it's not that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's your apprentice makes it. One one thing you like about Wollongong that has nothing to do with food? Uh, I like the vibe of it. Everyone's just that little bit slower paced. Everyone's a bit more relaxed here. Whether it's being by the sea or what it is. It's, um, and that kind of... Small, it's 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 a it's big enough to keep you happy, but it's not too big where you, you don't know anyone, and it's that kind of 
big city vibe so yeah it's got a it's a nice vibe to it cool pace mm. lifestyle yeah Tom um, oh it's just full of so much memory for me yeah you know like even now when I go foraging there's all all places that I kind of went as a kid I don't just kind of don't, not make food related but it's the memories that kind of love I love about it mm. everywhere I go is something about it that I'm like oh I remember when I did that you know even yeah go foraging and I'm like oh I've been up this road before never went up there for food always went up there because I was a kid and loved being outdoors mm. And now it's now I'm going up there for a completely different purpose, but it's still just as good. You said miles cool. was wanky. It must have. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, I was that just was like, penny. That was like penny was like extra level wanky. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it must be. Um, yeah, I mean, it must be nice to be back here and settled, have your own restaurant, yeah. and be able to look at looks look at where you grew up through a different sort of lens. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. Everyone's a potential customer now. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Give me your money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I think that's basically everything. Yeah. All right, guys. Cool. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Thanks for talking to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening to my chat with Tom and Simon from Cavo in Wollongong. If you want to find out more about them, you can check out their website, cavo.com.au, or you can find them on social media. If you want to find out more about us, you can visit our website, quicksandfood.com, or find us at quicksandfood on social media also. Thank you so much for listening in this time, and we'll catch you again next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.